We are, of course, preaching through the book of Ephesians. We're at the halfway point this morning. I'm going to read uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I would encourage you to keep your Bibles open. This is uh, where I will be spending my time. I, I do ask your indulgence. I am having some throat difficulties, <clears throat> so forgive me. But as I read this, I will remind you that this is the Word of God. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which, he has, which, which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. <clears throat> there is one body and one Spirit, just as also ye were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of God's gift. Therefore, it says, quote, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. End of quote. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, <clears throat> tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the, trick by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's pray. Now, Father, the text that we have read is dealing with peace among believers, peace in the congregation, peace in the church, unity. But, Lord, we can't read that without thinking of the, the, the world situation and the, 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 the lack of peace that many people are experiencing. Lord, we do pray for the people of Ukraine. We, we pray that the hostilities would cease. We pray that lives would be spared. Lord, we pray that the enemy would um, back down. We pray that uh, somehow there would be um, 
a change in leadership if that's what's necessary, God, but that uh, all those involved would um, seek peace. Lord, especially we pray for the church in Ukraine, for those Christians. Lord, all, we pray for all the people. We, we, we do pray for their safety, that those who are trying to leave would be able to leave. Um, but Lord, we also know of, of, of missionaries and, and pastors who've chosen to stay. We pray for their protection, particularly God. We pray for the church as they try to struggle with what's going on. Lord, we know true, priest, true, true peace will never come until Christ comes. <clears throat> so we pray, come, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Someone has suggested that a football game is 60,000 spectators desperately in need of exercise, watching 22 players desperately in need of rest. <clears throat> I'm afraid that too many times this also illustrates the church. Too often church is the congregation in the seats watching others doing ministry. We're on the playing field and you are in the stands. But nothing could be further from the truth. According to our passage this morning, the church operates with the pastors as player coach and the congregation as the players. In the stands, watching are our neighbors and family and friends and co-workers. You are in the game, and for the church to succeed, you must play your part. People are watching you. Now, to continue the football analogy, not everybody is the quarterback. Not everybody is Tom Brady. You might be Clark Harris. You say, who's Clark Harris? He's the Bengals' long snapper for 12 years. He's been the long snapper. Now you're saying, what's a long snapper? And that's my point. Some of us are long snappers. Some of us are the quarterback. <clears throat> now, also, before I begin to unpack this passage, we need to understand something very important. <clears throat> when the Ephesians heard this letter being read, they were not thinking of some other congregation. They weren't thinking as, uh, of the church as a conglomeration of denominations or missions organizations. Look at verse 2. <clears throat> with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. As they read that, they understood that Paul was talking about them, each other, the congregation. <clears throat> the church, look at chapter 3, verse 21. To him be glory in the church. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. <clears throat> for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the body, to the building up of the, the body of Christ, which is, verse 16, <clears throat> from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. When they read this, or when they heard this read, probably. Um, 
they understood the passage to be talking to them, their church, their congregation. Now, we need to understand the passage in the same way, and it's hard. We're almost 6,000 miles from Ephesus. We are 2,000 years apart. We're separated by language and culture and geography. But when they heard the word church, they knew that he was talking to them. When we read the word church, we need to think our church, Community Bible Church. All right, look at verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to think, uh, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're going to talk about that calling to duty, the call of duty. First of all, Christ died for you so that you could die to self. Christ died for you so that you could die to self. When we first started looking at the book of Ephesians, we saw that it very cleanly, very evenly divides itself in half. It follows a pattern that we often see in the Bible, particularly the epistles. In Ephesians, the first three chapters deals with doctrine. Paul unlays, uh, 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 lays out for us the, the, uh, uh, the truth of our calling in Christ and what it means and what it's done. Uh, he deals with sometimes difficult, difficult matters. Um, but it, the first half of the book deals with, with doctrine, and, and it centers on our calling in Christ. The second half of the book deals with duty. It deals with duty. There's always a balance between doctrine and duty. And, and again, we see this in, in, the, in some of the other epistles too. <clears throat> As we mentioned previously, that the first three chapters talk about heavenly riches, the last three chapters talk about earthly realities. We see this in verse 1 because the first word is therefore. All right, the word therefore indicates that Paul is basing his call to duty on the doctrine that was taught in the first three chapters. Therefore, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. This calling that he had been describing to us in chapters 1 through 3. We were dead. Christ made us alive. We are new creations. As new creations in Christ, we have his indwelling spirit within. They can give us the power to do, as we saw last week, even what we think is impossible. Verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. So therefore, he says in chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, um, based upon this this calling that we saw in chapters 1 through 3, what type of church members should we be? What kind of church members should we be? So that's what he spells out for us. Verse 2, with all humility. We should be humble. 
we should be humble. Um, Keep your hand here. Go uh, to your left to the book of Romans. Romans 12, 3. For through the grace, Romans uh, 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So our faith should make us humble, which here is defined or described as not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. That word humble is interesting because the ancient Greeks despise humility. In fact, this, they never used their term for humble unless it was derogatory. They saw no value in humility. They, they, they saw no value in being humble. But we serve the Christ who, <clears throat> um, um, who came and humbled himself to the point of death. It wasn't until Jesus Christ came that true humility was, was recognized. <clears throat> when I was a kid, they taught us this little thing. I think it still, still works. J-O-Y, right? What brings joy? Jesus first, others second. What? Yourself third. So what kind of church member should we be? Well, based upon the calling that we have, based upon... <clears throat> the things that are true about us that, that, that have been revealed to us, particularly in chapters 1 through 3, it should make us humble. <clears throat> it should make us humble. Secondly, it should make us gentle. Gentle. Um, the word gentle means power under control. Um, it, it's meekness, not weakness. Again, Jesus... Uh, in the only place where he describes his heart, he says that he, uh, he described himself as gentle and lowly or humble. Gentle and lowly. Third, we should be patient. <clears throat> Again, verse 2, with gentleness and with patience. <clears throat> patience is uh, the ability to endure discomfort without fighting back. The ability to endure comfort without fighting back. He expands on that. He says, showing tolerance for one another in love. Tolerate. We tolerate each other's differences. We tolerate each other's differences. Or as he sums it up, um, verse 2, for one another in love. So it's, it's, it's our love, uh, the love of Christ that constrains us, that controls us, as we saw last week, that makes us humble, gentle, patient, tolerant. Verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. <clears throat> peace was accomplished at the cross of Christ. We're to be diligent to keep it, to maintain it. We shouldn't mess it up. 
chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we have been given peace. We are at peace with God because of what Christ did. Chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Uh, verse 15. And by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is in the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that he himself might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to, the, to those who were near. Chapter 6, verse 15. And having, <clears throat> and having shod your feet <clears throat> with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So peace has been accomplished for us on the cross of Christ. Now we're to be peacekeepers. We're to be peacekeepers. Secondly, <clears throat> uh, verse 4. <clears throat> Therefore, uh, there is one body and one spirit, <coughs> excuse me, just as there, uh, just as also you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father who is over all and through all and in all. Secondly, uh, we're all the same. We're all the same. Um, the theme, of course, of this passage is, is unity. Now, Christian unity is built upon sound doctrine. This is not, this is not unity at any price. It's, this is not unity at the, at the uh, expense of doctrine. In fact, he says that. Look down here at, at uh, chapter 4, verse 14. As a result... You are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So true Christian unity is built upon sound doctrine, <clears throat> which he lays out um, as an example here to us. The Spirit has given us the same identity, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling. The spirit has given us the same uh, identity. We were put into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Um, we are now Christians. We are now believers. We are now in the church through uh, the work of the one spirit. Again, capitalize their spirit. It, the, we're talking about the, the Holy Spirit. The Son has given us the same testimony. One Lord, that's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ comes one faith and one baptism. Again, um, I don't believe this is talking about mode of baptism, which we know that there are people who disagree 
but it's not the mode of baptism here. It's the, the fact that we've been baptized into Christ. That is our testimony. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we've been baptized into Christ. <clears throat> so we have the same testimony. All of us in the church who are believers share the same testimony. We share the same faith in Christ, and we've been baptized into his body. We share the same identity. <clears throat> we have the Holy Spirit that uh, resides in us. The Father has given us the same family, verse 6. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So again, we see the, the Trinity here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives us our identity. The Son gives us our testimony. The, the Father gives us our, our family. <clears throat> so we are all the same in that respect. However... We're all different. We're all different. Verse 7. <clears throat> but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says. Now, here's a quote from uh, Psalm 68. <clears throat> so here's the quote that he's, here's the scriptural reference that he is referring to. When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Now, this is a reference to an earthly king who is victorious and leads the conquered foe um, in a parade. He leads, a, leads the captive a host of captives, and of the spoils of the war, he gives it to, to the people. So that's what Psalm 68 is talking about. But Paul uses it uh, in a different way, or as an illustration, verse 9. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he had descended to the lower parts of the earth? Okay, so we know Christ, uh, after his resurrection, he ascended back to the Father, right? But of course, before he ascended, he descended to the earth. So the contrast he's trying to make here is between the lowest of the earth and the highest of heaven. Verse 10 he who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above the heavens, so they might fill all things. So notice in verse 6, it's, it's through all and in all. But in verse 7, it's it, but to each one. Paul goes from all of us to each of us. He has given each of us different gifts. We've all been gifted spiritually. Now, I, here in this text, he, he shows us, verse um, 11, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. So in, the, in this particular text, he is only referring to <clears throat> Christ's gifts to the church with pastors and teachers. Um, He's not referring, we can read in other places what he has to say about other gifts. But particularly here, he is saying that um, God has gifted to the church certain individuals. Why? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So <clears throat> to train the saints to do the work. To build up the body of Christ. 
So going back to our graphic earlier, <clears throat> um, the pastors and teachers, they're, they're the player coach. They're on the sideline. They're not the focus of the game. You are the focus of the game. You are the ones who are doing the work of the ministry, the service. We are helping you do um, whatever it is God has gifted you uh, to do. Some of us are evangelists and pastors and teachers. We're all different, but we need your unique gifts to bring about maturity. <clears throat> we equip you to do ministry. And the result, of course, is verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children. We need to grow up in Christ, tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. <clears throat> As the church works together and grows together, it brings about maturity that we can withstand the contrary waves and winds that blow. <clears throat> we are all dependent. Number four, we are all dependent. Verse 15. <clears throat> but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplieth, supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. <clears throat> First of all, we are dependent on Christ. We are his body, but he is the head. Okay. Um, you are Christ's church. He is your shepherd. He is your head. Now, some of us may be under shepherds. Some of us may be given the, the responsibility of, of, um, uh, of, of teaching and training. But he is the, the head of the body. We are all dependent on Christ. We don't recognize Christ as, as the head of the body. <clears throat> we have a, a dead church, obviously. We are dependent upon each other. We're dependent upon each other, verse 16. From whom the whole body, again, of which Christ is the head, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, every person in the body, every part of the body has a, 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 a job. When they work together, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. <clears throat> Spiritual unity is not something we manufacture. It is something we already have in Christ. We must protect it. We must maintain it. Because looking at verse 16, when this happens, the inevitable result is um, growth. 
God wants to build something great here. As we saw in chapter 3, even greater than we could ask or think. Let's pray. Lord, as we've seen the last several weeks, including today, if we're not in church by accident, we've been put here. The Trinity has been involved in getting us here. We've seen that the, that the church is your um, focal point in, in what you're doing on earth. That the church, one of the purposes of the church is to, is to bring you glory forever and ever. That, that in eternity, the angels and the Old Testament believers uh, will look at wonder at what you did in the church to bring your plans to completion. So we're part of the, of, of, the truth is, the most important organization in the world, the church. And again, God, we're talking about the local church, our church, that you've made us a part of. May we each do our part, I pray. <clears throat>